Open as a springboard this morning in Luke chapter 20. Luke chapter 20 and verse... uh, Well, we'll look at verse uh, 21. They, the scribes and Pharisees, uh, they asked him, Jesus, Master, we know thou sayest and teachest rightly neither acceptest thou the person of any, but teachest the way of God truly. Is it lawful for us to give tribute unto Caesar or no? But he perceived their craftiness and said unto them, Why tempt ye me? Show me a penny. Whose image and superscription hath it? They answered and said, Caesar's. And he said unto them, Render therefore unto Caesar the things that which be Caesar's, and unto God the things which be God's. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the many blessings that we have. The greatest in that you sent your son, our Lord Jesus Christ, to come to this earth, live a perfect life, die on the cross for the sins of the whole world, and then rise again. Now, Father, anyone who would turn in their hearts from their sins, seeking the forgiveness that comes through Christ, call upon your blessed son, trusting in what Jesus did do for the world. Trust in him for the forgiveness of their sins. God, you said immediately they'd be saved. And Father, uh, we thank and praise you for that. Uh, for to miss that salvation is, to, is to, to die a physical death and then to die a spiritual death in the place your word calls hell. So Father, it's a great deliverance. And we thank you and we praise your name. I thank you for the, the, the word that's gone forth already here this morning. And the Sunday school classes with adults and children. and Father, help us to apply these things to our life, to stand firm, glorify your name, be an encouragement um, to others, Lord. And I ask you to fill my dear wife with your spirit, relaying the message and sign. Fill me with your spirit. Help me uh, preaching this and teaching this message this morning. Be with those in the nursery, Father, too, and help them. God, we pray for our country. We need revival. I pray that we as Christians would want to uh, strive and pray and yearn to be the zealous Christians you've called us to be, and to be the light, the salt you've called us to be. And revival in our hearts would, would, would be uh, first, and then revival in our homes, in our nation, in our churches, God. Uh, please, we pray for this upcoming election that uh, you'd just give grace and and, uh, and your people would vote according to your word. Father, we look to you uh, and you'd help us to glorify your name. We pray and ask these things in Jesus' name for his glory. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, Tuesday is election day. And so we want to be, uh, make sure that we vote. And of course, we have uh, here in Oregon the mail-in uh, voting. And uh, uh, most of us probably have already taken care of that. 
no doubt there are many around the nation who have yet who have to go to a, a voting place and vote that will that will yet be doing that and uh, we as Christians want to do our duty uh, uh, voting as well uh, our kingdom is not of this world we are in, in, the, in the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ we understand that our citizenships in heaven that's our uh, that's our loyalty that's our number one loyalty uh, but we are also to be good citizens uh, while we're here and to say well preach there you are with that uh, that United States tie on there you know uh, aren't you kind of a nationalist well yes I am and uh, and by the way according to the Bible so should you be and it doesn't matter what nation you live in uh, you ought, you ought to be a, you ought to be a nationalist when uh, when Israel was carried away into into wicked Babylon, what did God what did God tell them uh, through Jeremiah chapter twenty nine verse seven? Seek the peace of the city whither I have caused you to be carried away captives, and pray unto the Lord for it, for in the peace thereof shall ye have peace. You see, they were supposed to be praying for their land uh, uh, to, to, to peace, for that land that they lived in. And you know, if you live in a different nation, you ought to be praying for your land uh, that you're able to live a you know a quiet, peaceable life and all godliness and honesty. And uh, so, no matter who you are, you ought to be a nationalist, amen. And praying for revival in your heart and in your land uh, that people would know uh, the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. <clears throat> As I was preparing the uh, message this week, and I recognize that there are some uh, uh, Christians who have put out messages uh, regarding uh, voting, uh, kind of along this line that, well, uh, uh, we, uh, neither one of our presidential candidates uh, 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 would uh, qualify probably to serve in any of our local churches. Uh, they would say they're not moral people. They've got faults. Uh, if you've been following the political events and exercised at least a little bit of discernment and honesty, you would know that both of, of them have sins that are uh, open probably before all. Uh, but uh, and, and so some would say, well, since they're not as moral a person that they should be, uh, uh, then you shouldn't vote for them. And, uh, uh, you know, because one sin's as bad as the other. And uh, I don't think that's the way that God wants us to think uh, when it comes to voting. It uh, doesn't matter what I think. It's what we're going to see from the word of God that will direct us. Uh, I believe that God has given us some direction. Uh, right now we live in the time, what the Bible calls the, the, the time of the heathen. And uh, uh, Israel for a time reigned. And, and you read in your Bible, they dated the dates by the kings of Israel. That ended after they were taken away captivity into Babylon. Thereafter, you, even in the Bible, you read they're dated by what? By heathen kings. And, uh, and so we need to, uh, to recognize the era in which we live. At his second coming, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ will return to the earth with great power and glory find that in Revelation, Revelation 19 and 20 and such. Then he will destroy the armies of the earth that have gathered to destroy Israel. Uh, he will put down all earthly governments and powers, and he will reign in righteousness with a rod of iron for a thousand years. Uh, that's what the Bible says. Uh, at that time, 
ungodly governments uh, will be put down. At that time, uh, the one true righteous government will reign upon the earth for a thousand years and then carry us into the things that God has planned for us thereafter. But until that time, there are, this is key, there are no promises in the word of God that, we, that he will either set up a godly government or take away ungodly governments. Until that time, there's not one promise in the word of God for that. Now, there are times he does it. There are times he'll remove an ungodly government. And he'll set up one that's godly, or at least godly, uh, godlier than another, and use that. He does do that at times. But there are, no pro- there are no promises to us that he will do either at our request. And yet he has not left us without direction. How do we live in this life now where we're not under a theocracy? Uh, where uh, heathen kings and governments reign? How do we glorify God? Uh, there's a good portion of the messages before the outline, so don't worry too much. And uh, it'll, it'll, be at, it'll be at the end some things that we'll need to consider. <clears throat> uh, concerning our times, Daniel uh, said in Dan, wrote in Daniel 4.17, he's uh, speaking to Nebuchadnezzar and such, and he says... Uh, he says, God had chosen some things, he says, to the intent that the, that the living may know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will and setteth up over it the basest of men. Did you get that? God even sometimes allows and, 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 and ordains that, that evil men rule in these, in these earthly governments. So I will can assure you, brothers and sisters in Christ, regardless of, of the results on Tuesday, God's still on the throne, amen? And he still has a promise. I mean, he's still, he's still going he's he's to uh, uh, complete his purposes. He may want to show the light of the church against the, 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 the glorious light of the church against the background of a dark and wicked government in these last days. That others might be saved and come to him. You know, that's more important to God than how much you and I have in our bank accounts. And how well our economy is doing. That spiritual stuff is far more important to God. And he's working out things according to that. And so we trust him and we trust his wisdom. But we are Christians as then are faced with a dilemma. We're clearly told in the scriptures to obey all the ordinances and laws of our government unless doing so would cause us to sin against God. We find it throughout the scriptures to obey government in all things except sin. Resist sin unto death. And uh, that's a pretty uh, bold truth, is it not? <laughs> Quite a challenge. So we are to be governed in all things. Resist sin unto death. Well, uh, consider some passages that, that teach this. We just read one in Luke uh, 20, 25. The leaders at, of, in Israel were trying to trick Jesus and see if they could get him to say they weren't supposed to pay taxes to Caesar. What well, was Jesus' simple answer? Render therefore unto Caesar the things which be Caesar's and unto God the things which be God's. 
You see, we live in a time where we have, as in, in, in our service, we see a separation of, of church and state. God doesn't intend to rule now by theocracy. He's doing his thing separate, in a sense, from the government. Jesus said, just go ahead and pay Caesar's taxes. You just give, give him what he's requiring and give God what he requires. That's what you do. And by the way, you only give Caesar what he requires when he can do without sinning. And anytime you can, you go ahead and do it. Kind of what he's saying. Interesting. Tiberius Caesar was not a godly politician. Uh, he, was, he was known as a, temperate, as a temperate Caesar among those that had ruled, but he had his own demons. And yet Jesus says, go ahead and pay taxes to him. Go ahead and pay your taxes. I'm sure he probably didn't all, all use all that money for godly purposes, okay? But Jesus said, just go ahead and pay your taxes. Why? Not my main concern right now. Not my main focus. If you're a little poorer, I can provide for you. <laughs> See, he's in control. Uh, many of the scribes and uh, Pharisees were sinful leaders. Uh, yet they were granted some political authority by Rome. Jesus told his disciples about the, these, the, the leaders, the scribes and Pharisees and such who had some of this authority handed down to them at Rome. And there he says, uh, the scribes and Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do. But do not ye after their works, for they say and do not. They're hypocrites. They're telling you do this, do that. They're not doing it. And they're adding to the the law of Moses. They're taking away the law from the law of Moses. But Jesus said, just go ahead and do it. Just go ahead and do it. As long as it's according to my word. Go ahead and do it. Pilate was about to unjustly turn Jesus over to the mob. What did Jesus say to him? Pilate said, don't you, aren't you going to talk to me? Don't you know that I have power to crucify thee and I have power to release thee? What was Jesus' answer? John 19, 11, Thou couldst have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. Therefore he that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. What was Jesus saying? I know you have power to crucify me and release me. Not of yourself. You have power in it because it's given to you from above. God gave you that authority. That authority came from heaven. He was saying that to someone who's just about to bow to the mobs. <laughs> you see, we are commanded to obey government. There's no doubt about it in the scripture. And yet sometimes we're going to have some uh, wicked governments. Uh, Romans 13.1 Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. Romans 13.7 Render therefore to all their dues. All their dues. You say, well, what if, what, what if somebody gets elected preacher and the taxes go up 50%? Pay them. <laughs> what it says, isn't it? 1 Peter 2.13 Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. That's a, that's a serious thing. So, submitting to government, we're definitely commanded to do it. 
unless they unless they, what submitting to the government would cause us to sin against God that we're never to do the government had told the apostles to stop preaching and teaching in the name of the Lord Jesus Acts 5:28 did not we straightly command you you should not teach in this name <laughs> uh, the disciples slammed on the brakes there on that one then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. See, because to obey God, to obey the government in that, they would have been disobeying God. Because God had directly told them to preach in the name of the Lord Jesus. Matthew 28, 18. And following, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. So what was, what was the disciples' righteous answer? What was the disciples' moral answer? Can't do that. We'll obey God first. We'll obey God first. He's, he's, he is, he's the one that we obey. Romans 6.13 Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. Know what that means in two words? Don't sin. <laughs> well, how did John put it? Brethren, these, beloved, these things write unto you that you what? Two words. Sin not. <laughs> And Hebrews uh, puts it this way. Hebrews 12, 2. We're to be looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, following him, resisting uh, the devil, yielding to the Holy Spirit, being faithful, looking, when it gets a little tiresome, looking to Jesus. In Hebrews 12, 3, consider him, that's Jesus, that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Ye have, two words, not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. But if you have to, go ahead. That's what he's saying there. You haven't come to that place where you've had to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the right thing, though it's going to cost me my life. But God says, if you do, God's word says, if you do, go ahead and give your life. Say, so, I don't know, would we have the strength to do that? We probably won't know until we're there, okay? I'd hope we would, amen? Uh, but I got some good news. That's a pretty stark picture there. The good news is, God can and does use even wicked governments to accomplish his purposes. He has given us instructions and examples to teach us how to interact with, even with ungodly governments. We have some examples in the Bible of how we are supposed to live as Christians. Uh, one of those some of those commands we just read said that we're supposed to obey the government in all things if anybody has, has a, has a uh, 
has a uh, cell phone uh, or a television that sometime in the past couple weeks you have seen your government officials uh, tell you to what? Get out and vote. That's your government telling you that, by the way. <laughs> well, will it be a sin if you vote? Probably not. Then get out and do it. <laughs> Amen. Get out and do it. And we need to be those, be among those that vote. We have such such a privilege, uh, a privilege for that, uh, uh, to obey in that. But God does use even wayward governments. God uses uh, uh, God in Second Kings fourteen twenty three. God used a wicked king by the name of Jeroboam. That account reads like this. 2 Kings 14.23 Jeroboam the son of Joash king of Israel began to reign in Samaria and reigned 40 and 1 years and he, did, and he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord he departed not from all the sins of Jeroboam the son of Nebet who made Israel to sin we had a, we had a Jeroboam first and Jeroboam, Jeroboam second here you know evil then the Bible goes on about this evil king. He restored the coast of Israel from the entering of Hamath unto the sea of the plain according to the word of the Lord God of Israel. This wicked king did. Which he spake by the hand of his servant Donah, the son of Mittai, the prophet, which was of Gehefer. For the Lord saw the affliction of Israel that it was very bitter, but there's not any shut up, nor any left, nor any helper for Israel. And the Lord said not that he would blot out the name of Israel from under heaven. But he saved them by the hand of Jeroboam, the son of Joash. Now the rest of the acts of Jeroboam, all that he did is might, how he warred, how he recovered Damascus and Hamath which belonged to Judah for Israel are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Israel interesting did God use Jeroboam because of his character well here's a man of good character I'm going to use him to uh, help Israel get their land back absolutely not the Bible says he was evil Well, how was it God used him? Well, you see, God, in his mercy and his grace, saw the trouble that Israel was in. Apparently bad enough that it had continued, it might have removed him as a nation. He says, because he later says, he didn't say yet that he was going to wipe and remove them as a nation. Seems like if it would have continued, it would have been real bad. And God had pity for them, and what? He gave Jeroboam victories to win back the land. Now, were God's motives, was his, were his motives, and was God's heart pure in his motives to bring the land back to Israel? Absolutely. How about Jeroboam's motives? <laughs> we don't have a clue, okay? We know he was a wicked king, and it's more likely than not that he had some impure motives getting, while he was getting those military victories, okay? But what happened? God got his work done 
through an evil king, through an evil government, didn't he? I'm sure there were uh, some of his people praying for mercies and for relief. And God didn't need to have someone, you know, who was who was a you know a, 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 a actually a holy person walking with God. He didn't need to have someone in charge like that to get it done. You see that? We can draw comfort in that, amen. <laughs> we certainly can. Uh, I think about Daniel. Here's a good picture for us. Daniel was taken away captive into Babylon. Daniel chapter 1 talks about this. And the king of Babylon uh, made a, uh, was going to hire some of the captives to work in his government. But they weren't very good health, so he wanted to feed them with his bread and his wine. For a time, and then they would be brought before the king. You remember the story. So uh, the uh, king of Babylon he tells uh, his uh, keepers, the prison there, and, su- and such, uh, that uh, they uh, they need to. Uh, we're going to uh, uh, have these brought before us. So uh, you know, for a while, you're going to feed them with my, you know, the, with the king's meat and the king's wine. Well, that was a problem for Daniel. See, because they weren't allowed to what? Eat stuff offered unto idols. And it wasn't like the New Testament today. The New Testament today, we understand those things don't really have the significance uh, that we need to worry about. You know, well, well, gee, I, I, here's a nice steak. I hope it wasn't offered to an idol. I better go find out what was offered to an idol because uh, so, God wouldn't want that. That's not for us today. But you know what? That was for Daniel. That was still part of his being godly. And you know what Daniel did? He humbly made a petition. He purposed in his heart he wouldn't defile himself, Daniel 1.8. He requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Requested, did you get that? He said, he said, then said Daniel to Melzar, whom the prince of the eunuchs had said over Daniel, Hananiah, and his buddies there. He says, Prove thy servants, I beseech thee, ten days, and let them give us pulse to eat, vegetables and such, and water to drink. But then let our countenance be looked upon before thee, and the countenance of the children that eat of the portion of the king's meat. And, and as thou seest, deal with thy servants. So he consented to them in this matter and prove them 10 days and you remember what happened they looked healthy and uh, and so they appeared, they appeared fairer so Melzar took away the portion of their meat and the wine that they should drink and gave them pulse what did Daniel do he made a petition to the government listen if you'd do this I'd be able to walk with my God better Now, was Daniel still able, was he able to get to the temple? No. Was he able to bring those sacrifices? I'm sure he brought the sacrifices. I'm sure he went to the feast. Was he able to do all that? No. Uh-uh. That wicked government uh, put an end to that. 
God did actually judge them, used it, but you get, you get my point. Well, I'm going to ask him about the, can I do this? And what happens? It is given, uh, he, he, it's honored. And he's able not to sin against God in this thing. You see that? And you're not going to be forced to, to sin in that way. And, uh, and so uh, God used that. And, and, and he was able to, uh, uh, to bless that. Remember Cyrus? The Bible says twice, God says, though thou, though, thou, though thou hast not known me. He didn't know God. And God used him what? To bring uh, the captives back into the land of, land of Judah, didn't he? He didn't know God. God did that. But we need to do, as believers, we need, we need, to, we need to vote. And when we vote, our focus is not on people or parties. Our focus is always on policies. You know what Daniel was begging that government official, Melzar? Could, could, I, I know you got the ordinances and your laws from the government, but could we talk about changing this one policy? <laughs> I just want to talk to you about this recent policy because I got a problem with that. I want to be faithful to my God. And if I have to keep this policy, of course, Daniel would have likely died rather than keep rather than do it. <laughs> but he comes to him like that, and he changes it. You see, that's why we, when we vote, we don't for people. We don't vote for people. We don't vote for parties. We vote for policies. Because we don't have any, we don't have, uh, any perfect leaders, do we? We don't have them. So I want to look at some policies just in closing that, we, that needs to direct our vote. Now, if you've already voted, uh, these uh, hopefully will, and you voted uh, in, a, in a godly manner, hopefully these will, these will, these will bring rejoicing to your heart. <laughs> if you have not, if, you, if you've already voted and not voted according to the word of God, may you repent and, and not do that again. Amen. <laughs> But as believers, what? We are called to do all that we do for the glory of God. Whether therefore you eat or drink, whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. That means vote to the glory of God too. By the way, we, we tout the fact that, well, I'm free. I get to vote the way that I want to. No, you gave up the right to do things the way you want to do them when you got saved. Brother Chris was talking about that this morning. You see, now that we're saved, what? We are debtors to God. Uh, and we are to do his will. You know, Romans 12, 1 and 2 talks about that. And, uh, uh, you know, being transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. See, we were saved to do God's will. I'm not saved to vote the way I feel what would be nice for me in my own personal. I'm sa I am saved to vote the way that God would want me to vote. That's my only option as a Christian to do more to be morally right. I must vote the way God, God's word tells me to vote, and I must vote what policies, policies, those things that would make Christian living easier in our country, and help propagate the gospel, perhaps, or at least as best we can tell. We're supposed to vote wisely like that. What are some of those things? And these won't be a surprise uh, to us this morning. A vote for virtue, number one, is going to be a pro-life vote. 
a vote for virtue number one is going to be a pro-life vote. Jeremiah 1.5, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. When does life begin? It begins at conception. God said, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Boy, that little little baby in there even began to form just at, at right at conception. Pro-life vote. What does God hate? Proverbs six seventeen: a proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed what innocent blood. Why was what was a great factor in God sending Judah and Israel? Uh, into captivity the sins of Manasseh were, uh, uh, were are, are, are slated for Judah's going into Babylon and such surely at the commandment of the Lord came this upon Judah 2 Kings 24.3 to remove them out of his sight for the sins of Manasseh according to all that he did also the innocent blood that he shed for he filled Jerusalem with innocent blood which the Lord would not pardon Folks, that is a scary. I, 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 every time I read that, it, it, I, the hair in the back of my, my neck stands up because of what we've done and, and around the world in our nation with this abortion thing. He burned his children in the fire, Second Chronicles 28.3. God says, not going to... By the way, there was even revival after Manasseh. Not only did he, 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 he get saved, but Josiah followed him. There was a great revival after him. God said, it doesn't matter. Judgment's still coming. Not pardoning that. That's what he said. So, so a virtuous vote is going to be a pro-life vote. Amen. It's going to be a pro-life vote. Uh, secondly, a virtuous vote. Here we go, Manasseh. Sec secondly, it's going to be a pro-religion vote. A pro-religion vote. And I use that word in the best way. Um, what's our First Amendment? Freedom of religion. Freedom of religion. What did Paul write about, uh, about uh, governments? I exhort therefore, 1 Timothy 1.1. 1, 1. Supplications, prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks be made for all men. Kings and all in authority. Why? That we may live a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Did you realize that part of a government's job is to help you live a godly life and peaceable life? To make it good circumstances for that, according to God's word. That's what we pray for them for. So it ought to be a pro faith vote, a pro religion vote, freedom of religion. Why? But God will have all men to be saved and come under the knowledge of the truth. You see, that's what God wants. That's his business on the earth here. And he wants uh, governments to be favorable to that. In, in, in freedoms and such. Uh, we pray for the salvation of those in authority and we pray for legislation that will be favorable for the spreading of the saving gospel message of Jesus Christ it's interesting uh, our first amendment reads Congress shall make no law 
respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or of the right of the people to peaceably assemble. That's our First Amendment. And to petition the government for a redress of, of grievances. Now in our voting, we're actually kind of blessed this year. We have a little more to work with. See, last year we had one candidate for president that had no political experience. Never, never been in office. All we could do was listen to what he said. Right? That's not true this year. Now, both candidates have some experience. One 47 years, one four years. And the most important thing about voting is it really doesn't matter what they're saying right now because right now they're trying to get the vote what matters is what happened in the past what did they say they would do in the past and what did they get done that's what you look at if you want to if you want to uh, a vote for virtue anybody can say anything and by the way they do <laughs> If we want to vote in a godly manner, we need to look at what they promised they would do, measure that according to the word of God. Is it godly? And did they do it? And if it measures, you know, if it, if it, enables, it has enabled me to help my live a lot more godly and it's according to these, you know, these things that we're looking at here, and they did those things they promised, hey, that's good. If what they were saying is against it, that's not good. If they said they would and they didn't, that's not good. But we have both to go by now. We can look at what they said and we can look at what they did. Forget about what they're saying right now. It doesn't really matter. That's just that's mostly to get the vote. Look at what they've done. It'll be a pro-religion uh, pro vote. By the way, we have seen some riotous assemblies during this pandemic. Remember, part of our, free, our First Amendment was the right for the, of the people to peaceably assemble. Uh, we have seen some riotous assemblies during this pandemic. And we have seen some peaceable assemblies during this pandemic. And we have seen our politicians act in different and varying ways according to those, those, those assemblies, have we not? <laughs> How have our politicians reacted to the riotous assemblies? And which side were they on? By the way, how have the politicians acted to the peaceable assemblies? Do we have any that let the riotous assemblies happen? but decided to cancel the peaceable assemblies. That wouldn't be good, would it? <laughs> you see, God's given us a great picture to look at, hadn't he? He has. And we are responsible for it. To look at that. A vote of virtue. It'll be a pro-religion a, a pro vote. Thirdly, 
It'll be a pro-marriage vote, a pro-marriage vote. I didn't do it this year. Next, next time I vote, we're just going to go and we're going to look at the platforms. And we're going to compare them to the Word of God. We'll, we'll, we'll pull some sections out. I, I've, I've been through the platforms. We're going to we'll pull some sections out and just compare them to the Word of God, and see which and see if there's one that's not ever perfect, but see if there's if there's one that's obviously better than the other, or one that's obviously worse than the other. Uh, Pro marriage vote. Genesis. Therefore, shall a man leave his father and his mother, uh, and, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Genesis 2.24. What do we see? A man and a wife. A man and a wife. A man and a wife. By the way, that is in the platform of, 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 of one of the parties. That the, that, the, that the home is a man and a wife. Marriage. You say, why would this be important? Because the home is the foundation of society, isn't it? As goes the heart, so goes the home. As goes the home, so goes the church. As goes the church, so goes the nation. It's important. It's foundation. Jesus said, Have you not read, He which made them at the beginning made them male and female? For this cause shall a man leave father and mother and shall cleave to his wife and they twain shall be one flesh therefore what God had, what God had joined together let not man put asunder what, what, who did God join together? a man and a woman <laughs> uh, this past uh, Monday October 5th, October 5th Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas and Samuel Leto issued a broadside against the court's uh, 2015 uh, same-sex marriage decision. Uh, the Supreme Court declined to hear a case brought by a former Kentucky County clerk who refused to issue marriage license uh, for uh, gay couples. The, the Supreme Court refused to hear it. The two justices agreed with the decision uh, uh, not to hear the case. They, they agreed with the decision of the court uh, and used the occasion to speak against the court's 2015 decision, uh, Obergefell versus Hodges, where five years ago gay marriage was you know, considered you know, a right. It declared same-sex couples have a constitutional right to marry under the 14th Amendment uh, guaranteed to equal protection of the law. They, they wrote against that. See, what they did in the process of that was also change what, what had always been the definition of marriage in our country. Writing for himself and Alito, Thomas said that the court's decision, that that one back Obelberg there five years ago, quote, enables courts and governments to brand religious adherents uh, who believe that marriage is between one man and one woman as bigots, making their religious liberty concerns that much easier to dismiss. He said... Uh, for time, I'm just going to leave, leave that there. But they're still trying to fight what, the, in whatever way they can. We likely won't find a, a, a candidate that will come out boldly against that now since it's, been made, since it's been made law. But we ought to be voting for the ones that what? 
at least start, at least start trying to, to make, help, help it flourish and, 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 and support it. It'll be a pro-law vote. Uh, finally, it'll be a pro-law vote. Uh, Romans 13.3, rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Rulers, listen, are, be to, are, are to be what? A terror. <laughs> you realize that some people can be, recommit crimes because they do, they do better in, 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 in jail than they do out in the street. <laughs> Who knows? They're looking for that three hots and a cot and, you know, and, and, and a better TV than you got. You know? <laughs> and, uh, uh, the terror is missing. Law. Government. He, verse 4, the government is a minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Did you get that? Punishment. What did Peter say? All right. Verse 14 of 1 Peter 2. Governors, them that, that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. These are the godly responsibilities of government. And we are to vote for the governments that most closely adhere to these. If we want a virtuous vote. If we want to glorify, if our vote needs to be what the Bible says, according to God's will, according to God, that's how the Lord would vote, as best we know from the word, from what the word clearly says. Uh, a major responsibility of the government is to punish evildoers and praise them that, that, them that do well. Uh, vote. When you think about who you're going to vote for, think about that. I believe that, that God is as serious as about law as he is about life. He is as serious about law as he is about life. What did God tell us in Genesis 9, 6? Uh, Noah starting out the new world there whoso sheddeth man's blood by man shall his blood be shed why life is so valuable I'm just talking about the physical life that God made is so valuable that it cannot be recompensed but by the, but by the life of the one who killed and murdered that's the only thing that, 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 that reconciles. That's the only thing that brings justice, God says. That would be the death penalty, folks. <laughs> uh, be looking for who's that. For who, who's, who's for that? They'd be the one on God's side. Uh, he said he's serious about law. Uh, in Numbers 35, 33. God says, so shall you not pollute the land wherein you are. For blood it defileth the land. And the land cannot be cleansed of the blood that is shed therein, but by the blood of him that shed it. In other words, until a land is executing those who take lives, justice has not been done in that land. Oh, well, we took care of it. They spent 50 years in prison. I didn't take care of it. You're supposed to shed, their, their blood's supposed to be shed. And until it's been shed, until that's been done, the justice of God has not taken place. God doesn't see it as done. Well, that, that's an interesting perspective, isn't it? <laughs> I think it comes from the Bible. That's what God said. Cleansing the land. Uh, <clears throat> A pro-law vote. 
Uh, don't foolishly try to reason that the murderer should live. Numbers, uh, uh, numbers 30, 35, 31. Moreover, ye shall take no satisfaction for the life of a murderer, which is guilty of death, but he shall be surely put to death. Remember, I know this is the law. I know Israel's under the law, but remember, it already started with Noah. That wasn't the law. That was for all of us. Well, we shouldn't, we shouldn't kill him because God says, don't think that way. Justice won't be done. Paul, as they were getting ready to you know, take him to prison, he says, if I be an offender or if I have committed anything worthy of death, I refuse not to die. I have committed something worthy of death according to God I am worthy of the death penalty and I don't refuse it that's what Paul is saying see because God why is God so serious about law because he's so serious about life that these things will be among those that are foremost if we want a virtuous vote if we're going to vote according to God and, and want to look for his blessings upon a country. It close with this illustration. Um, this is uh, from the Radford Serial Killers Database. Now this is just serial killers. Serial killers. And uh, since, 19, since 1950, since 1950 in our land, 283 serial killers in the U.S. 200 I'm sorry, 2,883. 2,883. Of those, 478 killed again while on parole for murder. 478. Also of that 2,000 number, uh, 138 killed again while in prison. Also from that original 2000 number, uh, 23 killed while escaped from prison for murder. And of that total, 11 killed on uh, not, not, uh, not guilty for, for reasons of insanity, 11 killed on, not, on NGRI uh, release for murder. Bringing it to a total of 600 uh, uh, out of those uh, 2,883 serial killers, 650 killed again after an initial, after an initial conviction for murder. That's 22.5%. 22.5%. You see, God hates murder, and He knows the best way to stop it take the life of the murderer. The murderer doesn't kill anymore. And it's a greater deterrent for those who are thinking about doing it. That's how much God cares about life. These things are from the word of God. They're important to God's heart. God wants people to be governed in a, you know, in a, he wants us to live godly lives. And we need to vote for government that will help us most, you know, do that most, most the, the, in the best way. I've got kids and grandkids. Some of you have got great, great grandkids in here. 
I want, yeah, I know that a persecution may come. I know that. We've had very little in our land. But you know, I'd, I'd, I'd like this, I'd like, we need to do our best like Daniel did. We want to live as God, we want to be able to live for God in this country. What? With a goal of, uh, of being able to do it as, peaceing, as peaceable as possible. We don't want to have to be breaking laws to serve God here, do we? We don't want to have to be doing that. Now, God will help us to do it if, if we need to. But we ought to be voting in such a way that as long as, it, you know, as we can maintain it through our vote, uh, we'll, see, we'll see laws that are made uh, that we can obey without, without, without sinning and without breaking the will of God. We ought to be doing that. And we ought to be voting faithfully uh, in, accords, uh, in accords to that manner. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you uh, for your word. I thank you for the privilege, um, Father, um, to vote. And Daniel had an opportunity to come uh, before uh, the government and the laws that were laid down. And for him to, to keep them, he would have had to sin. And God, uh, uh, if we don't vote, as, and if we don't vote as you've called us to vote, as we ought to wisely, and concerning the, uh, the, uh, the parties and the, and the policies, God, we don't vote according to your word, God. We may be guilty for not doing our part. We may see laws passed Dear God, that would, that would be against your will. And in that sense, we'd bring, we'd bring suffering upon our own selves because we didn't do at least what we could have done in voting against that law and voting against that ordinance and in, in, in voting against uh, those policies, choosing the candidates, Lord, that stand most for the right. Father, I pray that we would do that in your grace and in your wisdom. I pray you give voters who haven't yet voted the grace and wisdom uh, to vote according to your word. Father, there may be some who have already voted and your own spirit has told them, dear God, that they have grieved you in that. Father, if that's the case, I pray they'd repent, get that right, and recognize, dear God, that either way, the vote turns out we can serve you and you can help us to do that but help us to be faithful and do all that we can while you give us the opportunities including submitting faithfully a godly virtuous vote and father we pray and ask these things in jesus name for his glory amen